Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. My guest today is Susan Poisner. She's the founder of, of Orchard People. We're going to talk about growing urban orchards, which sounds like a really cool idea. I guess even if you have like one or two trees or bushes or whatever it may be, and you can grow and eat your own fruit. Um, I've done that in the past, and it was a really cool experience. So we're going to talk about that today. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me. Tell me a bit about your background and how you got into growing and, you know, why fruit and why orchards? Wow. Well, it's been quite a journey for me. My background is I'm a journalist and I was a filmmaker and I really didn't touch the soil until my 30s, actually, until I met my husband and he's from Trinidad. And so in Trinidad, you just throw down a seed and something grows and it ends up being delicious. So when we moved in together, he looked at the backyard and he said, hey, we could be growing stuff here. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. It's just going to be a mess. And I don't want this to be my job. And, and you know, anyways, luckily, Richard, he persevered because we ended up planting a garden. I fell in love with gardening and growing things. And as much as I love growing vegetables, the more I gardened, the more I realized that trees are so amazing. You know, a, a zucchini plant will live a season and produce, you know, some zucchinis, which is great. But a fruit tree can live 25 years, can live 50 years, can live 100 years, can feed us for generations. Yeah. And when I realized that, I realized this is something that I want to learn more about. Yeah, that's really cool. One mystery, you know, with growing trees, I guess it takes X number of years for them to bear fruit. Do you know if anyone that studied on how to accelerate that process or why it takes X number of years for certain fruits to come and not for others? It's a great question. And the answer is, just like with us humans, we take a while to mature, right? So a baby is born, and then it needs to grow up a little bit, and then it needs to go through puberty and teenage years, and then it's ready to reproduce. So when a fruit tree produces fruit, it is in its reproductive stage, and it does take time. But I wrote a book called Grow Fruit Trees Fast, because there are a lot of people out there that think, well, why can't I grow fruit? You know, fruit in the supermarket is so expensive and especially organic fruit. And there are these trees and they produce fruit. And, you know, why don't I give it a try? So for my book, Grow Fruit Trees Fast, I researched all the best ways to make this whole experience go quicker so that you plant a tree and no, you won't get fruit the next day, but you will get fruit within two years. And that's pretty fast. When you think that if you take a seed from an apple and you plant it in the ground, it could take five, six, seven years until it produces fruit. And the seed from that apple, even if it's the most delicious, yummy apple in the world, that, that new tree may not produce yummy tasting apples. That will be a totally unique and different apple tree that produces apples, but they won't taste like the parent apples. What kind of fruits are easy to grow, especially in an urban environment that's on 310,000 years? 
Yeah, well, you know, Richard, I'm not sure that any fruits are easy to grow fruit trees. You see, the difference is between a fruit tree and a native tree. A native tree is usually grown from seed. And even native trees, when you plant the little seedling, you've got to water it. You've got to care for it until it establishes itself. And then after that, you don't usually have to prune it too much. You shouldn't really need to, to feed it too much. They take care of themselves. But fruit trees are actually like little franken trees because in order to get the kind of fruit you want, let's say you like honey crisp apples, you need to get a grafted tree. So it has a piece of the either the original honey crisp apple tree or one of its descendants, you know, another cutting. Basically a cutting from a tree will be grafted onto a rootstock so that you will get the actual fruit that you want. So these franken trees need a little more care. They can be delicate. We need to feed them properly. We need to prune them annually. Um, and the pruning will help ensure not only that the tree is healthy, but also that every branch gets access to sunshine so the fruit ripens properly. So there's a few things that you need to consider. You need to for sure irrigate the trees unless it's a good rainy season, um, but especially when they're young and you need to feed them. So is any fruit tree easy? I don't think so. But saying that, there are people that plant a cherry tree in their backyard or even an apple tree, and they give that tree minimal care. And if they're lucky, it'll be a beautiful, productive tree that produces yummy fruit. But essentially what I teach people is how to increase your chances of success. Just between you and I, just so you know and I know, mm -hmm. apple trees are amongst the hardest to grow because apple trees attract something like 36 different types of pests. And these oh, wow. pests may, I know, these pests like lay their eggs under the skin of the baby fruit. So you think the fruit yeah. is fine, but then it grows up and then it's got maggots and stuff under the skin. So it's got like 36 pests. It's got like a handful of diseases that it gets. Whereas cherry trees, they still have pests and they still have diseases, but there might be fewer of them. So my attitude is this. It's not about, it's about when you're going out to buy a tree, you're thinking, I want to have a partnership with this tree. I'll do my part. The tree will do its part and put together, we will produce an amazing harvest. If that's your attitude, you will have the most delicious harvest and the abundant harvest that you can dream of for years and years to come. But if it's about, I want a fruit tree in my yard, I want it to do all the work and I just want to reap the rewards you might be disappointed. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. So what are the easier ones then? If apples are tough, what about peaches? Uh, peaches can be, yeah, That's peaches what's... can be tough. Um, I would say, well, it's hard to say. Apples are tough, but still worth doing. I think cherries are easier. There are native trees, native fruiting trees like service berries, and they are a native tree. They take care of themselves. You really don't have to do much in the berries. If you wait until they're a beautiful purpley red, they're kind of almost like blueberries. So that is totally hands off. Then there's another native tree in parts of North America called the pawpaw tree. And it's beautiful. It's not a papaya. It's a pawpaw. And it's this beautiful uh, fruit that sort of looks like it's a little bit mango-ish in how it looks from the outside. And you slice it open and it's like this beautiful 
texture, silky, yummy flavor. And that's also pretty low maintenance because it's a native tree. But of the other trees, I would say it's the kind of thing that if you're willing to do a little bit of work and learn a little bit about how to care for these trees, you'll have great rewards, but you do have to do some work. Hmm. How do you um, get someone to plant a tree and then not be bored until the fruit comes? Is <laughs> I mean, like two years, I could see, you know, I'd be real excited about it, plant it, I water it, it starts to grow, I'm happy. And then after a year, I'm like, oh, you know, I wait yeah. a whole another year for fruit. And then, you know, like, yeah. I would guess this between the first and second years, if you, if it takes two years, it'd be probably the toughest. What do you see? Well, yeah, what I see is that the people who, like, again, I wrote my book, Grow for Trees Fast, so that people could read it fast. You read it in an hour and you see what's involved. So... People who know what's involved are kind of excited about the different stages, just like you have a baby. And it's not like, okay, kid, look, hurry up and grow up because I want to be able to play checkers with you. And right now you can't even, you know, figure out how to move your fingers, right? So every stage in growing a fruit tree can be interesting. And especially since when you are growing a fruit tree strategically so that it will produce a healthy and abundant harvest, you're actually pruning it from the first year that you planted. So pruning is like sculpting, sculpting a tree. It's like creating a sculpture. And it's actually very creative. Uh, there is a strategy and a skill behind it. So people like me, and maybe I'm just weird, we get excited about the pruning season. And we get excited about watching how the tree reacts to the pruning we get excited when we see the baby fruit starting to form. But here, the problem is for the first two years, we delicately pick it off, all that baby fruit, so that the tree can then put its energy into its root system rather than pushing oh, out really? fruit for us. Yeah. So for the first two years, you're saying, okay, I'm going to sacrifice my need to have like instant gratification so that my tree will be healthy and establish itself because I could pick the fruit for the first two years and then have a weak tree for the next 15 years or 20 years. Or I can give it the love and attention it needs in the early years and have a tree that could live 50 years or 100 years, depending on the kind of tree that I plant. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Maybe this is getting nerdy, but is there software where you could kind of input how many branches you have and how thick they are and, and map out the tree? And then have like a, like a, you know, like the computer would tell you where to prune to make sure to maximize the tree's, you know, growth properly. Maybe it's getting again crazy or nerdy, but and then no, it's not nerdy. And, and 
Is there software? I don't think so, but we become human software. So in the same way that when you are a sculptor, you kind of have to look at your, I don't know, piece of clay and clump of clay and you see what you need. There actually is a strategy, Richard, and it's so simple, but you just need to learn it. So it takes, you know, two hours, maybe to learn, you know, I can teach somebody in two hours how to prune. And then they go out and they look at the tree. And each time they prune, they're reinforcing those lessons. It's really quite simple. You're creating a structure, a strong fruit bearing structure for the tree. And essentially, the central leader type of pruning that I do, you want your tree to look like a Christmas tree with a strong central branch and branches that go out to the side longer at the bottom, shorter at the top, but there's little tricks. You want room in between the branches for air circulation. So it's not even that complicated. It's just practice. And the results are very beautiful. Just to look at the tree when it's blossoming, when it's fully leafed out, and of course, when it's fruiting. So it's beautiful, but it's also a really productive and useful way to be growing your trees. Yeah, I think you'd have to step back from the tree over and over and look. Oh, okay. Oh, over there. I don't know. Absolutely. It's like yeah. a gigantic bonsai. Yes. Yes. And actually, with regards to gigantic, smaller trees are easier to take care of. They're easier to harvest. And if you prune at the right time of year, you can keep your tree compact. And if you get the right tree, it's all, you know, there's all these little factors. So I understand why you're saying, you know, a program, a computer program, because in a way it would be useful. You know, you could type into the program and say, look, I want a tree because I have a small yard. I want a tree that's going to stay compact, that's going to produce this type of taste of fruit, that's going to be disease resistant, so not going to get every disease in the book. So, and I want to, you know, have it, this kind of structure. And then the computer would come out with, okay, you need this type of rootstock, which will determine the mature tree size, and this type of scion wood, which is the top of the tree, the the fruiting part of the tree. And, you know, whereas Honeycrisp is not disease resistant, there are trees, apple trees like Liberty or Freedom, which people don't know about, which are disease resistant. So... The humans are the computers. People who have done this for a long time, we know, you know, what what to match up together in order to customize a tree so that it is easier to grow for the grower. And again, it's not rocket science. It's something that we can teach easily. Hmm. Okay. So again, what are the, I don't know, the hardiest, easiest trees for beginners? Which are the more advanced ones? It sounds like apples more advanced. But yeah, I, I, would, I would say apples are more advanced. I would say if you're a beginner... If you have and you want to grow, let's say, in your backyard, you might want a fruit tree on something called a semi-dwarfing rootstock. So the rootstock is the bottom part of the tree. It's it's a separate tree and it's a semi-dwarf rootstock has a really sort of rugged, rugged root system. And so it'll be less likely to to, you know, blow over or break that kind of thing. For the top part of the tree, I would choose choose a disease resistant variety. And while I said that apples are very advanced, if you get a disease resistant variety like Liberty or Freedom or Novamac or Novaspy, there's so many of them, or Pristine, which is one of my favorite disease resistant apple trees, 
if the top part of the tree grafted onto that rootstock is one of those easier to grow varieties, then you're golden. Then you really just need to think about how to prevent the pests. And there are many easy ways to do that if you're going to go for an apple tree. If you're going to go for a stone fruit tree, every tree comes with its own little package of diseases and pests. But, you know, some are less like plum trees. Depending on what kind of plum tree, it can be easier. But again, there's just a few techniques to learn in order to keep them healthy and productive. Well, like such as what? Oh, you know, where is the, the big part of the work? Is it, you know, before the fruit comes, is that where most of the work is? Or is it um, after the fruit comes or the whole way? Like what, what is it? I think it's a mix. Okay. So we talked a little bit about pruning. So you're going to be sculpting the tree. You do that every year. It's a lot of fun. People enjoy it. You, we, let's talk about feeding. You need to feed your tree. So each spring, you're going to be laying out a couple of inches of compost around the roots of the tree. And that will break down into the soil and actually feed the tree roots. But in order for the tree to access that nutrition, it needs rain or irrigation because fruit tree roots don't have little teeth. And so they have to take in their nutrition in liquid form. So by irrigating or the rain will help to break down that nutrition with the help of, you know, soil organisms, which will also break down that that organic matter and the tree gets nutrition. And I would say the third main thing you need to do is protect the tree. So either get a disease resistant tree, which is always wise for a beginner, or when it comes to pests, this is one of the funnest things that I learned early on because we weren't allowed to spray our trees in our park. We can't use chemicals on our trees. So that really limits you because growers professionally use a lot of toxic chemicals to, to protect the fruit. There is something called, I call them orchard socks or they're called maggot barriers. And they're essentially little nylons that you slip onto the baby fruit, whether it's an apple or a pear. Some people put it on, on apricots too and other fruits. You slip it into this little nylon, you tie up the top by hand, and the nylon expands as the fruit grows. But what it does is it, prote it prevents insects from laying their eggs under the skin of the fruit. They can't get in there. You don't get those maggots, apple maggots and codling moth. So when I finally figured this out, we are, it's a community orchard where I plant my fruit trees, where we grow our fruit trees. So we all came out, you know, one day and in the early spring or the early summer when the little baby fruits had formed on the trees and all of us went and tied on these little sockets on most of the fruit. Some of it we didn't reach or we just forgot about or somehow missed. By the end of the season, we saw that the covered fruitlets were perfect. They had no insect damage. And the ones that were uncovered, they were the ones that the insects got into. So to me, that was fabulous evidence that you can grow fruit trees without toxic chemicals and be successful, even apple trees, which can be challenging. How many fruits are you talking about putting nylons on? Like hundreds of <laughs> nylons? Like, it's crazy. Oh, well, we have... Is, it, like, is there a heuristic, you know, like if I have a tree of a certain size, I don't know if you go by height or breadth or whatever, and it has like, you know, can it bear no more than a hundred apples? Like, how do you know how many is too many, how many is too few? How do you kind of right size so it, it, it bears enough, but not too much or too little? Maximize. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, absolutely. That's so very intuitive that you're saying that because what happens with some trees, like apricot trees are a great example. So if you let all the fruitlets that form on the tree to grow, 
they'll sort of smush each other out because apricots can be very productive. And these little fruitlets may be within, you know, centimeters of each other. They're so tight together. So when they start to grow, they none of them can grow to full size. They stay very hard. They're not tasty. And the other problem is the tree only has a limited amount of energy. So if it's working on producing, let's say, 100 pieces of fruit, and it only really has energy for 50, you're going to have 100 terrible tasting pieces of fruit. But if you thin the fruit, and in the early season when they start, the fruitlets start to form, you pick off a certain number of fruitlets so that the other ones can grow full size to be juicy and delicious and sweet and, and take in that energy. So your question was, how do you know how many to leave? Well, when you look at a branch of a fruit tree and you see how strong it is or isn't, a young branch can break if it has too many fruits on it. And so you look at the branch and think, you know what, I think this branch can hold maybe two apricots or 10 apricots, but not 100. You thin it out because if you think about how heavy the branch could break if there's 100 fruitlets on there. so. Over the years, you will thin the fruit. The stronger the tree is and the older it is, the more it can sustain more fruit. Here's the other thing. Sometimes people don't want a huge tree that produces a thousand, you know, apples when they're just feeding their families and apples don't last forever. So they'll throw half of them away. So people, it's not really about more is better. You want better quality and you want the uh, the right amount for you, the right amount for you and your family to share with your community and with your friends and to give to the food bank. But not you don't necessarily want your fruit tree to go all out and produce as much as possible. Yeah, there's like an extreme example. Uh, the daughter had this in a Japanese restaurant. It was like some apple or whatever tree where they, they only grow one fruit on it. It's crazy expensive, but it's like super delicious. All the power and the juice goes into one you know, apple or whatever, pear or whatever it is. I don't know if you heard about it, but there's no example, idea. I guess, of this. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. I'll just tell you that, you know, as I said, I grow our fruit trees in a community orchard and our our volunteers are fantastic and we have a lot of fun and we enjoy the cherry harvest because there's so many cherries on the tree. There's enough for lots of everybody. But the apples, people go to the park and they see the apples and they harvest them before they're ripe, which is heartbreaking for us because they don't even taste good at that time. And it means that when the apples do ripen, we, the volunteers, don't even get to taste them. Well, this year on one of the trees... People harvested the fruit on a lot of the trees. We have one tree that's been struggling for a few years. We're working on it. It's got a certain disease. We cut off the disease as we need to correctly. But I noticed the other day when we had our stewardship day that there was there were two fruits on the tree that were perfect. Some had been eaten. We didn't do orchard socks on that tree. We did thin the fruit, though. Anyways, two were perfect, so I picked the fruit off, and at the end of stewardship, I came to the table with everybody. We have a harvest table, and I said, okay, guys, let's cut this up. There are 10 of us, I think are 12. Let's divide it up so everybody gets a piece of this fruit to try. And we had never tried it because in all the other years, people harvested all the fruit early. We divided up the fruit. Everybody took a piece. It was It's a golden russet tree, apple tree. So everybody took a bite and we were all like silent. And one volunteer said, oh my gosh, if all fruit tasted this good, I would be eating a lot more healthy food. So what I'm trying to say here is when you grow it yourself in your own backyard or in your own community, when you give the tree the love and care that it needs and you're not growing it on an industrial scale, you will be surprised at how good the fruit is. You don't need to have one fruit, you know, a tree putting all its 
beautiful love and energy into one piece of fruit, though I don't see a problem with that. But you can have lots of fruit that is that delicious and special to have to share with your family and with your friends and with your community. Yeah, no, that's well, I remember years ago in Seattle, there's a, well, they still do, but blackberry trees or bushes grow everywhere. And we would pull them off the bushes and they were like amazingly delicious. And in the stores, even the organic blackberries just taste like nothing. They just oh, water. I agree. I totally Even though they look beautiful, but they yeah. just taste like nothing. So yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, I had a peach off a tree at my friend's house and it was delicious just right outside. Um, yeah, so fruit off a tree cared for properly is like amazing compared to stuff you get in the store. It's amazing. Different. And nutritionally, I know that a lot of the stuff that you're interested is around human health. And honestly, if we want to be healthy, we need to be eating really nutritious foods. And, you know, a lot of the soils in our commercial farms and and orchards are, are a little bit bankrupt. They've been pushing out crops for years and years without without a holiday, right? And the, the soil is tired and they're using, you know, fertilizers that are made synthetically. And so when you have food that's grown in the old-fashioned way with the help of nature, it is incredible nutritionally and taste-wise what what kind of product you will get, how it will taste, and and how it can help your health. And you know, the other thing about health I want to mention, it's not just about putting it in your mouth. It's about the connection that you develop with your tree, the connection with nature. And in, in our case, in a community, in a, in a community orchard where you're working with your neighborhood friends or you meet friends because you are involved in this project. There are people of all ages working in our community orchard on a volunteer basis. We've got volunteers who are in their 70s. We've got a six-year-old volunteer. We've got everything in the middle. It is so healthy to be part of that type of network of people who know each other, connect. You don't feel so lonely and that's good for your health too. Um, Have you grown any nuts? trees or and do you don't do you do only trees have you done all you know, like bushes or vines or other stuff or you know trees or not so yes we have planted nut trees nut trees are for the really patient you talked about earlier on you know if you really want to get sort of your crop sooner well nut trees take forever we planted two shagbark hickory nut trees when we first planted the orchard in 2009 they still haven't bought you know They have not produced any nuts for us. And they're still young, right? Nut trees live a long time and they take a long time to mature. We planted hazelnut bushes, which are very, I like them. They're very pretty. We planted those maybe five years ago. No harvest yet. The other problem is in an urban environment, we have a lot of squirrels and because they don't have any natural predators to keep them in line. So the nut trees were more to have a wide diversity of plants so that that we could learn about nut trees. But I'm not betting on us having much of a harvest for those trees. I think the squirrels are going to get there first. In terms of you also asked about berry bushes, we do have service berries, which are trees. They are grow on trees. And we would like to start. The problem is our orchard park, our, our orchard is in a park. And the park supervisor has informed us that we are not to plant any more fruit trees because the park is too small. And there needs to be room for people to play ball and to do this and that. So for now, it's fruit trees. You know, there is a possibility that in the future I'll get involved in other projects. And I have, you know, helped people out with other projects in my city. And uh, so then I get a little bit more contact with growing berries. But for now, in our park, it's really just fruit trees. 
Well, you talk about urban gardening. So, you know, what if I live in a, I don't know, how much room do I need to grow anything? You know, let's say I live in a city and I, I don't know, I don't really don't have a lot of room on my, in my yard. I barely have a yard. I have like maybe a two square foot, to two foot by two foot patch. That's it. Can I grow something? Like what's the minimum? Uh, two foot by two foot is a bit small. But if you have full sun, that's the most important thing. If you've got a garden front or back with full sun and decent soil. So if you live in, let's say, a new development in the suburbs where they cleared out, there was a farm there maybe. And they cleared out all the farm stuff and they took away all the soil. They built some houses and then they, you know, on the subsoil, they rolled out a little bit of soil, rolled out some grass. That's not going to be ideal, even if there is full sun. But if you know you've got full sun and if you can put a shovel in the ground and the soil is pretty deep, like at least a foot deep and, you know, pretty friable, can be sort of crumbled or worked with on your hands, you know, then then you can grow a fruit tree in a smallish space. So let's say you've got a garden, a postage stamp garden, as they say, that's maybe, I don't know, 15 feet by 15 feet or something like that. You can actually grow small fruit trees, dwarfing fruit trees up against fences. It's called espalier. And it's a decorative way of growing fruit trees, but you still do get fruit. So these trees are uh, pruned and trained so that they create shapes. The shape can be a candelabra. The shape can be sort of grid-like. But you can grow even a number of fruit trees in, in along a fence that way, keeping them very small. But they do have to be on the right rootstock. You have to start when they are just one year old and you have to know what you're doing, which is easy. And it's, well, it's something that I teach and it can be learned very easily. Okay. Well, very good. Well, what are some resources for listeners so they could like dip their toe in and try to grow their first tree? Well, I would say that if somebody is thinking of planting a fruit tree, I am so happy to get them at that stage when they're just thinking about it. For somebody who's thinking of planting a tree or somebody who's just planted a tree or even somebody who's planted a tree and can't figure out why things aren't working for them, my book is called Grow Fruit Trees Fast and they can find it on Amazon in a local Amazon store. Grow Fruit Trees Fast by Susan Poisner. I designed it so you can read it in one hour. And in one hour, you will know how to plant a fruit tree so that it is successful. What are the jobs involved? What do you need to do? And if you have a fruit tree you've been having challenges with, you will get some tips on how to make that fruit tree more successful, how to help it so that it can be productive. So that's one resource I would suggest. I also have my website, orchardpeople.com, where I do, I have articles, I have a monthly podcast, and I also have online courses. So I I can teach you anything. I can, I've got a course called Certificate in Fruit Tree Care. And in eight hours, you will learn how to grow fruit trees successfully and you're well on your way. So hopefully some of your listeners, if they're interested, they will check it out. But one of the things that I have designed my resources for is for those people who want to grow fruit trees and they're just about to go to the garden center or the big box store to buy a fruit tree, if possible, I'd love to get you before you do that because I'm going to help you choose a different tree that's easier to grow. Okay, well, very good. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Richard. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? 
Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.